How do we beat adversity? First, this passage tells us to reframe our perspective. Second, replace our confidence. Replace our confidence. Now, I tend to be quite confident in my own abilities. Like the time I started chipping away at my kitchen backsplash because I wanted to replace the beige mosaic with a gray tile. If you heard my message last week, you'll notice a color theme in my home renovations. Um, I I thought I could do it because I'd watched a couple of YouTube videos. (laughs) Yeah, I I was wrong. Um, As I began chipping away at that mosaic, tiny little pieces of glass and ceramic began firing themselves all over my kitchen. And no matter how hard I tried, I could not get that mosaic to come off the wall cleanly. And as I continued to hit away with that hammer against that chisel, my confidence that was once super high plummeted. And so do you know what I chose to do? I chose to replace my confidence in someone else. (laughs) I phoned a friend who knew what they were doing. And he was there in 30 minutes, all credit to him, and he knew exactly what we had to do to fix that problem. Unfortunately, it meant cutting out the whole drywall and removing it as one piece, and it took about five days to finish the the project. But because I chose to replace my confidence in someone who knew what they were doing, I was enabled to overcome the adversity that I was facing. In order to be diversity, Paul says we need to replace our confidence. We need to place it in something or someone other than ourselves. He continues in verse 14 by saying this, And most of the brothers, having become confident, confident what? In the Lord. I mean, you could read it if it was on the screens, but it's not on the screens, so you can't read it. There we go. Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know, I think all of us tend towards one of two extremes. We, we either tend to be overconfident or underconfident. We either tend to be overconfident in our own abilities or underconfident in our own abilities. I'm, I'm a case of classic overconfidence. I always think that I can do more than I'm actually able to. My wife, on the other hand, she'll admit that she struggles with underconfidence. That is, that she's afraid to do something she hasn't done multiple times before. But the reality is, overconfidence and underconfidence are both bad confidence. It's not the sort of confidence that overcomes adversity. Why? Because it's confidence in ourselves. The sort of confidence that overcomes adversity, the confidence that Paul talks about in this passage, is confidence in the Lord. Or we might say, in cheesy Christianese, Godfidence. As we just read... Paul's fellow believers have found a new confidence in the Lord because of Paul's imprisonment. Perhaps when Paul was first imprisoned, their confidence in themselves was was shattered and they were left afraid, but now they've replaced their confidence in the Lord. And the passage says that as a result, they have been much more bold to speak the word without fear. When before their confidence had been in themselves, they were afraid, but now they've replaced their confidence in the Lord they are no longer afraid and are filled with boldness and courage. In the places where you are facing adversity, I wonder, are you placing your confidence in yourself? Maybe it exhibits itself as overconfidence. Maybe it exhibits itself as underconfidence. But I wonder, are you placing your confidence in yourself? Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your schoolwork. 
And I wonder if you were to replace your confidence in the Lord, whether you might be able to overcome the adversity you are facing. Because I believe this passage teaches us that if we do, we will find ourselves fearless and bold and courageous. And through that, we will beat adversity. So take your confidence out of your own abilities. Replace your confidence in him because he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He is greater and bigger and stronger than we could ever be. How do we beat adversity first? Reframe our perspective. Second, replace our confidence. And third, rejoice in others' success. Rejoice in others' success. I played a lot of rugby in my formative years, and when I was at Oxford, the biggest game of the year was against Cambridge. And 10 days before the game, the whole team would gather together and the coach would read out the starting lineup. This didn't happen before every game. This was a, a once-a-year thing that took place. And as I went into that meeting, I think it was my second year of university, I really hadn't thought a lot about it because I'd assumed that I would be in the starting lineup. But when the coach got to my position as he was reading out the names, he read someone else's name. Now, I was gutted. I was shocked. And actually, I was totally ashamed. I slunk home to my room that night and didn't want to see or talk to anyone. You know, it's often the case when we're facing adversity that there's someone else who's achieving success. It was the case for Paul. As Paul, this traveling preacher, was stuck in prison, there were other traveling preachers out there who were taking the ground that he might have wanted to take, who were planting churches in places that he might want, have wanted to plant churches. And listen to what Paul says about them. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. The reality was that some of those who were going around preaching Jesus were doing it with kind of a, a competitive spirit. As they were preaching about Jesus, they were taking the opportunity to slander Paul to attack his reputation. They were probably saying something like, hey, you know that Paul guy? He's in jail because he did some bad stuff, which was not true. Paul was in jail because of his belief in Jesus Christ. But they were taking the opportunity to slander him and attack him. Now, a little side note. Paul speaks against false teachers all over the place. He condemns them outright. But he doesn't condemn these preachers. And I think, therefore, it's safe to assume Paul did not have an issue with their message, that they were indeed preaching the truth about Christ. He didn't have an issue with their message, but he did have an issue with their motive. They were preaching the truth about Jesus, but out of envy, rivalry, and selfish ambition. Back at Oxford, after that announcement 10 days out from the big game, I had a lot of soul-searching I had to do. And as I did, I began to see what was going on in my heart. And it was envy, it was rivalry, it was selfish ambition. I took some time to go chat to my coach about it. And he led me to the conclusion that this decision to start someone else was the best decision for the team. And so I had to choose to reject that envy and that rivalry and instead to rejoice 
in this other person's success. Because I had to choose to believe that when that player succeeded, the whole team succeeded. And as a result, I succeeded. And I'm glad I did. In the end, this player went on to have more victories over Cambridge than any other Oxford player in history. He was prolific. And Paul chose to do the same thing with these preachers. He chose to believe that when others succeeded, the team succeeded, and so he succeeded. He chose to rejoice in others' success in order to overcome the adversity he felt. This is what he writes, verse 18. It's the last verse we're looking at today. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Paul chose to rejoice that the message about Jesus was being proclaimed, even if it wasn't being proclaimed by him or in the way that he would have done it. Paul chose to rejoice. He rejected envy. He rejected rivalry. And he chose instead to rejoice in others' success. You know, when we're facing adversity, it can be real tempting to look around at other people's success and start to get envious. You know, when we're out of work, we're looking for a job, hearing that a friend has got a promotion, that can hurt. When we are struggling with our child's behavior, the news of another child getting an award or a scholarship, that can sting. And when we're facing infertility, the news of yet another friend getting pregnant can cut deep. It's so easy when we're facing adversity to let envy and rivalry creep into our hearts. But the truth is, we serve the God of abundance. He owns, as the Bible says, the cattle on a thousand hills. He has endless pools of resources. And when one person wins, it doesn't mean that we lose. When one person wins, when our brothers and sisters win, I believe it means we all win because we serve the God of abundance, the God of generosity. But it's so easy, I know, it's so easy to let envy and rivalry creep in. But we must choose to reject envy and instead rejoice in others' success. So next time you see someone succeed, check your heart. Is it envy that's stirring up in you? Is it rivalry? If so, work against it. Congratulate that person. Send them a message. Write them a card. Give them a gift. Celebrate with them. Encourage them. Because when one ship rises, all rise. When our brothers and sisters win, we all win. We serve the God of abundance. Reframe our perspective. Replace our confidence and rejoice in other success. That is how this passage teaches us to beat adversity. One final thing. Now, we're all facing challenges. Maybe you're not in jail, but there are things in our life that are pushing against us. And Paul teaches us that through his actions, through his words, that we serve a God who, who doesn't go around adversity to get to where he's taking us. He goes right through the middle of adversity. And although Paul doesn't say it in this passage, I know in the back of his mind, he had the ultimate adversity that any man, any woman has ever faced. The adversity that Jesus faced on the cross. You know, God chose not to skip around the cross 
in order to get to the victory that was on the other side. Jesus chose to go straight through the middle of the greatest adversity, defeating the greatest adversary that we face, death itself. He chose to take upon himself, instead of allowing us to take it, the consequences for our sin, our pride, our selfish ambition, our envy, our rivalry. He chose to take that on him, and he went right through the middle of it on the pathway to victory and success. Our God does not go around adversity to get to the victory. He goes right through the middle of adversity. And you know what? As a result, One day he will wipe away every tear from every eye, and death shall be no more. There will not be mourning or crying or pain for any more, for the former things will have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne will say, Behold, I am making all things new. Amen? So whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, there is hope on the other side because Jesus went right through the middle of adversity, through the cross itself, and he rose again to victory, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he offers that same victory to you. So whatever you're facing, hold on, hang in there, get through it, trust in Jesus. He has won the decisive victory. And right now, if you want to experience it, if you want to know that victory in your heart, in your life, in your everyday, then I think there are three things that we can do based on the example of Paul. We can reframe our perspective. We can zoom out. We can see the bigger picture. We can see things as God sees it. We can replace our confidence, take it out of ourselves, trust in the Lord who is bigger and greater and stronger than we are. And we can rejoice in other successes, rejecting envy, rejecting rivalry, and instead choosing joy, enabling us to overcome adversity. Reframe our perspective, replace our confidence, rejoice in others' success. So what's the adversity that you're facing right now? Don't belittle it. Don't go, oh, no, I'm not facing that stuff like Ellis talked about earlier, terminal cancer. No, we all have adversity in our life. There's all something For every single one of us, something that we're struggling with, that we're trying to overcome. Where is that? And which of these three steps might God be asking you to take in order to beat and experience the victory that God has won over that adversity? Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that you are the God who doesn't sidestep adversity in the way that you loved us. You are the God who said, I'm going to take it head on. I'm going to go right through the middle of adversity because that is the way that I'm going to bring about the victory. And so today I pray that you would help us to see that maybe, just maybe, the chains that are binding us are the means through which you are going to bring about your purposes, your good purposes in our life. Would you reframe our perspective? Today I pray that you would help us to replace our confidence in Jesus who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Well, we're sorry for the times that we've looked to ourselves. Today, we choose to replace that trust and confidence in you, in the Lord. And where there's envy and rivalry in our hearts, Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, you would help us to reject it, remove it, and instead to rejoice in other successes, believing you are the God of abundance, that there is enough to go around for all of us, that just because someone else is winning, it does not mean that we are losing. 
Holy Spirit, would you come? Minister to us now, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.